You are listening to the Bellator Christi podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristi.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics while taking Christian truth into the arena of ideas, this is the Bellator Christie Podcast, and this is your host, yours truly, Brian Shilton. Uh, we thank you for joining us today for our podcast. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, we have a guest, a special guest coming on the podcast today, and her name is Amy Downing. Uh, Amy holds the distinction of being the first ever female uh, to graduate with from the with a PhD in uh, theology and apologetics from Liberty University so she is a trendsetter uh, you could say and so we're going to bring her on here uh, on the podcast here in just a few moments as uh, she's going to be talking about uh, her ministry it's called uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly Tzaka Ministries, and uh, she's also going to talk about ways that we can reach out uh, to Jewish unbelievers, and uh, that's going to be the topic of our podcast today. Uh, Amy has, as we mentioned, received her Ph.D. in Theology and Apologetics from Liberty University. Uh, She holds degrees uh, in Theology from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, two degrees, in fact, from Southwestern, uh, also degrees from East Texas Baptist University and Jacksonville College uh, there in the Texas area. Uh, Amy is a native uh, of Texas. Uh, she lives in, um, uh, I believe it is uh, Waxahachie, Texas. I hope I am pronouncing that correctly. And she's originally from New York City. So uh, we're going to bring her on here in a few moments. It's a pleasure and honor to have her with us today. And so we're, we're going to talk with her here in just a few moments. Moments, excuse me. Uh, before we begin today's podcast, uh, I want to let you know uh, the... the uh, Last week, I didn't mention it, uh, but um, I've actually had a chance to post some, uh, I think, some interesting articles 
uh, from a good friend of mine, Christopher Burcham. He he actually wrote an article. He wrote a piece on called The Uncivil War. I want to encourage you to go check that out. Last week, we didn't get a chance to really talk about it much, but uh, as you may know, last weekend... Uh, there was uh, there was the uh, happenings, the goings down of uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, as uh, white supremacists uh, were staging a protest in the area. Uh, something having to do with the um, taking down, the raising, if you will, of uh, a, a Robert E. Lee statue. And in fact, that's something that's going around the entire nation. It um, many, many Confederate or a Confederate-affiliated uh, monuments are being taken down. Now, I understand the tensions that are there because of, of some, some of the issues pertaining to the Civil War, but, but I would also say that slavery was not the only issue taking place in the Civil War. The Civil War was actually a lot uh, more problematic than just that. And uh, than just about that issue, although it was a big issue, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit that. But nonetheless, um, white supremacists, neo-Nazis, many others uh, stormed the uh, area of uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, and uh, and in protest, in a counter-protest, um, there were um, uh, individuals from the Antifa. I guess is how you pronounce that. Uh, which is is means anti-fascism, uh, but they themselves, that group, is a group that uh, is one that um, is quite communist themselves. They almost believe, well, they do, they believe in anarchy, and some, some portions of the group believe in anarchy, and so... We we have it. So in other words, there were there was there was violence from both sides. From my understanding, from my very limited understanding on this, and you know, folks, I, I the very first podcast I ever had on the Bellator Christie podcast. This was back when it was called Redeeming Truth Radio. Back in what was it? 2012 is when I started podcasting. Uh, been at this for five years. You know, the Redeeming Truth Radio became Bellator Christie, the Bellator Christie podcast, and I mentioned in, in in some of the very earliest podcasts that I have ever that I ever did that I ever that I ever put forth on the airwaves that I was concerned that we may be heading towards another civil war um, due to the differences that we see in. Um, Many ideologies, and, and these ideologies are becoming more and more entrenched as time goes on. And, um, in fact, I was actually, well, I, I love history anyhow. And, um, and and I may work to see about getting Christopher on, on the podcast for this issue. But I think it was he or someone else had mentioned that before the Civil War took place that there were all these uprisings that took place, that all these, these protests and violent protests that took place, and, and it's very eerily reminiscent of what we see now. Hopefully, uh, prayerfully, you know, I, I, I'm hoping that cooler heads will prevail, that, uh, that, that people will be able to find some type of unity. While we're even speaking about this, there are, there, there are terrorists that still are striking Europe. 
um, and you know, and uh, Amy, she's even she comes on. She even posted on her on her social media account that while all this is going on, while North Korea is 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 mounting up uh, the possibilities, the potential of a nuclear strike, while we have terrorist organizations striking striking at every angle, we are in the midst of a of a bitter rivalry over statues and um and that's not to to that's not to disregard any of the uh, feelings that that, that are of high emotional feelings that are part of this discussion but uh we, we live in a very tumultuous world folks and it's only getting worse uh so we need to pray for our nation we need to pray for our world and um you know Listen, I want to tell you, I hope I'm wrong. I hope there was not another civil war coming, but I just have this this eerie suspicion. Um, if, if you go back and stu- you can learn a lot by going back and studying history. And I just have this eerie suspicion that, that we may be on the verge of uh, perhaps another civil war. I hope I'm wrong on that, but, but time will tell. Um uh, Well, we're going to take a brief commercial break, and then we'll be back with Amy Downey as we talk about ways to reach our Jewish neighbors. You're listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast. We'll see you back in just a minute. When I first wrote Evidence That Demands a Verdict, truth wasn't so much an issue as what is truth, can you know truth, but now it is. Some of the issues are different because of the internet, like the claim that Jesus doesn't even exist. Are there other gospels that should have been in the Bible? Is Christianity just a copycat religion? So when we updated this, because I hear it from students so often, I thought we have to have the single best chapter that responds to this claim, and I think we do. We had to rewrite evidence demands a verdict because there's so much new evidence out there. It's like one Greek scholar said, the evidence now for the scriptures is like a tsunami, an avalanche that is hitting. And we want you to be aware of that. We want every young person, every student, every pastor, every professor to be aware of the new evidence out there. To understand not just what they believe, but why they believe in Evidence that demands a verdict. On sale everywhere October 3rd, 2017. Go to hashtag true evidence. We're looking for people from all around this great nation who believe this is a great nation. We're looking for the best and the brightest and people who believe in goodness and honesty and liberty. If we've just described you, enroll in Liberty University. Online, we've been doing it as long as anyone. Our campus, just beautiful. If you believe in Liberty, know that Liberty believes in you. Liberty University, online or on campus. To find out more, go to liberty.edu or call 855 466 9220. Hi, Greg Kokel here for Stand to Reason. And at SCR, we have always cared about Christianity worth thinking about. And when I found out that the SES conference this year was about pursuing a faith that thinks, 
I realize that if you go to this conference, you're not only going to have the information you need to deal with people who challenge your convictions, you're going to have the information that will help you deal with the toughest critic you'll ever face, and that's you. That's why I hope to see you there at the SES conference, October 13th and 14th in Charlotte, pursuing a faith that thinks. Register now for the National Conference on Christian Apologetics by going to conference.ses.edu. Early bird pricing ends August 1st, so be sure to go and register now. Once again, that's conference.ses.edu. The National Conference on Christian Apologetics 2017, October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, pursuing a faith that thinks. And we welcome you back to the Bellator Christie Podcast. Uh, as we were mentioning earlier uh, in the podcast, we have a very special guest with us today. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, this is Amy Downey. And uh, and Amy, uh, she's listening to us now. She's with us now. Uh, I told everyone, Amy, that you, are the, you hold the distinction of being the first ever, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, female graduate... Uh, from the Ph.D. program in Theology and Apologetics uh, at Liberty University. And so, uh, big congratulations uh, to you on that. And uh, and so, uh, that, that's, uh, I was telling everyone, you were quite the trendsetter, you know, in doing that. And, and we, we do uh, appreciate you and the work that you've done. Uh, and a lot of work, I know, as I'm getting started in that program myself, a lot of work uh, ahead and uh, but we appreciate you your ministry and and uh, and 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 being as we said the trendsetter and uh, in, in being the first female graduate in the PhD program. So again congratulations and Amy thank you for being with us today on the Bellator Christie podcast. Well thanks Brian for letting me be here with you guys today. So, Amy, if you will, as we ask, uh, as we always ask our first-time guests, and hopefully this will be one of many times we have you on the podcast. Uh, but if you would uh, t- tell us about how you came to faith in Christ. Well, it starts off. I'm, I'm 47 years old, so it starts off way, way back in the 1970s. So, but <clears throat> excuse me, I'm fighting a cold, but. My, my dad was a Baptist preacher, and so I've lived in a lot of different towns. I used to joke that if I ever wrote my family history, it would, the title would be, Our Second Car Was a U-Haul, and uh, because I went to a lot of different schools. I went to 11 schools before I graduated high school, but I was in a, my dad was pastoring a small Baptist church in Lubbock, Texas. And I remember I was eight years old, I was in the third grade, and like a lot of Baptist pastor's kids, I'm sure not your kids though, Brian, <laughs> but I was sitting on the, the third row piano side, because, you know, that's where all Baptist pastor's kids sit, third row piano side. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't really listening to my dad's sermon that morning, but he was preaching from Matthew 7 about the rich man and the poor man, the rich, the wise man and the foolish man from Matthew 7. And during the sermon, he was preaching about, is your life built on the foundation of, of sand or is your foundation, your life built on the foundation of the rock? And I was listening, I was happily listening, I was playing with mom's purse, 
But during the invitation, he said something that just hit my heart. And I realized I was the foolish man. And after church was over, I grabbed my dad and I said, Dad, I'm going to hell. And uh, so after the sermon was over, after the invitation was over, Daddy and I sat on the front row of this small Baptist church in, in Lubbock, Texas. It was called Butler Heights Baptist Church. And he led me through the plan of salvation, you know, the old, what we used to call the Roman Road. And, and I prayed and I received Jesus as my Messiah. And I remember that moment because my life changed. Mm. And I never was the same from that moment. Because even though I was eight years old, I hadn't done a lot wrong. You know, I fought with my sister. I didn't pay attention in church like I was supposed to. But at that moment, before that moment, I knew I was going to hell. Mm. And after that moment, I knew that my salvation was secured for all time. Amen. So hey. that's how I came to faith. And my life has changed forever. Amen. You have, you run, and again, I may have uh, butchered this name, uh, Tzaka Ministries. As, as we right. get into the podcast, uh, explain to us uh, about your ministry and, and about uh, the outreach of your ministry. Well, first off, let me you know explain what Tzedakah means. Tzedakah is the Hebrew word for righteous. And a lot of people will say, well, how do you pronounce it? And I often tell them if they're old enough like I am, because I'm getting close to our age, and uh, Sadaka, you pronounce it like if you know the old singer Neil Sadaka. Uh, you just drop the nail and say Sadaka. And it's a Hebrew word for righteous, because Jewish people today are trying to achieve their goodness with God, their right relationship with God, by doing a lot of good deeds, by as earning their righteousness with God. But Isaiah 64, and it's verse 6 in the, in the Christian Bible, it's verse 5 in the Hebrew Bible, says that our righteousness is as filthy rags before God. Our, our very best is garbage. And that's kind of the, the verse where we spring, we sprung forth from the name for Sadaqah Ministries, is that we cannot earn our righteousness with God. We are desperately in need of a personal relationship with God that can only be achieved through Messiah Jesus because he's the only one who can achieve our righteousness for us. And so a lot of Christians are definitely afraid of trying to share their faith with a Jewish person. Mm. And they think they can't, and they want to let professionals do it. And I, I shared with you and we were discussing the questions that we could talk about today that a lot of, there's a lot of misperception out there that, well, can't Jewish people do the job better than a Christian can? And actually the answer is no, because Jewish people will not listen to other Jewish believers share the gospel with them. Wow. There was an old Jews for Jesus survey back in the 80s that 90% of Jewish people who come to faith come to faith through the witness of a Christian person. And about three or four years ago, Jews for Jesus redid the survey. 
And the number you would think, oh, it's been you know 30 years, that number's gone, has probably gone way down. And actually the number's about 80% now. So professionals still aren't doing the bulk of the work of reaching Jewish people with the gospel. It's still Christians and churches who are the main instigator of reaching Jewish people with the gospel. And so what the DACA ministry does is our main focus is teaching Christians, the lay people, and teaching churches how to do the job yourself. Because it is you, pastors, churches, who are the most effective instruments of reaching Jewish people with the gospel. Because they need, they know you, they live next door to you, you go to work with them, some of them are your in-laws, some of them are your outlaws if you don't like them. <laughs> uh, some of them uh, you work with, they're your doctors, you're, they're your friends, they're your neighbors. They see you every day. And have you ever shared the gospel with them? Wow. And what Zadaka does is it teaches you how to start the conversation and how you can start the conversation and work your way through the plan of salvation with a, Jew, a Jewish person that, that God has placed into your life. Amen. Amen. You know, and, and Christianity came out of Judaism, and, and uh, I, I'm really surprised if, you know, uh, luckily and thankfully I have not met many uh, who have been this way, but uh, some people have almost become anti-Jewish throughout the years, and, and that is a shame because Christianity came out of Judaism, and, and we are called to reach the Jew as well as the Gentile. Uh, explain to our audience, for those who may not know, in what ways... Is Christianity different uh, from modern-day Judaism? When I, gra- I graduated from East Texas Baptist with my education degree, and my first teaching job, and you're going to go, man, she goes way back in time. But I- I'm doing this to kind of give you a- an example. And my first teaching job, my lead teacher was Jewish. And... Uh, Heidi, that was her name, her name was Heidi. And so one day we had a break and our lead teacher was there and and some of the other co-teachers and one of the co-teachers asked Heidi that very question, what's the difference between Judaism and Christianity? And Heidi, knowing that I was a preacher's kid, knowing that I had an edge, you know, all the things that she knew about me because she kind of tried to say, don't talk to me about Jesus from the very first day. And, uh, and I did anyway. (laughs) But, so she looked at me like, would you answer this question? And uh, I looked back at the other co-teacher and I just looked at her and I said, the New Testament. And, (laughs) And really, that's the main difference. Because what is the, one of the big differences between Christianity and Judaism is the New Testament. But even that answer is not really a good answer because when you look at our New Testament, what, uh, what we call the New Testament, if you took out all of the Jesus, what Jesus said that was a direct quote from the Old Testament and what Paul or the, the, the disciples said that were direct quotes out of the that were from the Old Testament, what would we have left? 
we're going to have much of the of the New Testament left because Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy, Jesus quoted from Isaiah, Paul quoted from Deuteronomy, from Isaiah, from all over what we call the Old Testament because we couldn't have the New Testament without the Old Testament. That's right. There's not really any difference from the Old Testament. We're just, this is how I say it to a lot of people. Christianity is the realization of Judaism. And I, I know I'm probably talking too much, Brian. No, you're fine. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. And I'm not going to say my professor's name because I don't want to get him in trouble. <laughs> but I had a professor once. Uh, I went to Southwestern Seminary for my master's degree. I'm a good Southern Baptist girl. And uh, I went to Southwestern for my for my MA in theology. And I had a, a professor come into my office. I worked at the seminary. And he looked at me and he said, Amy, I, I had a nickname at Southwestern. I was the Jewish chick. <laughs> he said, if you had if you had any Jewish question, you came and asked Amy. And I had a, a professor who came into my office one day, and he said, I have a Jewish question. He said, Jesus celebrated Hanukkah? And it was a question. It wasn't a statement. It was a question. And I said, yes, Dr. So-and-so. And he goes, really? Are you sure? And I said, yeah. Go to John chapter 10. And he ha- happened to have his Bible with us. And I said, look to verse 22, John chapter 10, verse 22. And that's the passage that starts the, the big conversation about, you know, I and my father are one. That's, that, that's the context of that passage. And, and I'm going to paraphrase, but, you know, it says that Jesus was walking in Solomon's porch, and it was wintertime during the Feast of Dedication. And the professor looked at me, and he said, so, that's Hanukkah, huh? I said, well, in Hebrew, dedication, the Hebrew word for dedication is Hanukkah. (laughs) And he goes, oh, so yeah, Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. (laughs) And so so the background to Jesus saying, I and my father are one, was Hanukkah. I said, yeah. Absolutely. he goes, so there really isn't that much difference between Jesus and Christianity and our Christian faith and Judaism, except Jesus just fulfilled it. And I said, that's why Jesus said in Matthew, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And he goes, oh, okay. Then he walked out, wrote a paper for the Evangelical Theological Society and didn't give me credit. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, now that's a bummer to hear that. <laughs> I know. So, but I, that's why I'm not going to say his name. <laughs> <laughs> but before we look in ways that we can, steps that we can take uh, to minister to Jews and hopefully lead them to Christ, uh, let's take a look first at a few more of the um, nuances of modern day, uh, modern day Judaism. And if you would... Um, one of the big questions is uh, about the modern day sects, S E C T S, the sections of of uh, Judaism. We have, I know, the Orthodox, 
uh, Orthodox Judaism, Reformed Judaism, and Conservative Judaism. Uh, if you would explain the differences between these various branches. Well, those are the big three. And there are some other subsects. And, and if we have time, I'll, I'll tell you about those subsects. Okay. Those are the big three. Orthodox are, those are the, that is the oldest of the big three. And that ha, that is what came out of after the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. And they went off to a town actually near the Gaza Strip today. It's a town called Yavna. And they wrote what is what I would call rabbinic Judaism, and they that's what they uh, I, I just went blank on the word, but they codified the oral law. They wrote down the oral law, and what we have today, the Mishnah, the Talmud, the Gemara, which is commentary of the, the Torah. And and actually, you have to understand, rabbinic Judaism is not Old Testament Judaism. And that's some some Christians get confused about that, but rabbinic Judaism they will put on the level of of the Old Testament they will put the Talmud, the Gemara, the Mishnah, the commentaries on an equal playing field as the Old Testament, and and out of the Orthodox Judaism they the six hundred and thirteen laws I'm sure you've heard about that you know, obeying the law, obeying the 613 laws of Maimonides, and I'm throwing some fancy old test, uh, rabbinic scholars out, and they want to obey the law because if we obey all 613 laws, God will be happy with us, and we can earn our salvation. You know, those are the ones that in Jewish, if you see Jewish people around, those are the men that you will see wearing uh, the yarmulkes or the kippahs. That, and you will see some, and with Jewish, Orthodox Jewish women, sometimes they will be wearing the wigs. Um, and they, are, they will be the ones who will be keeping uh, strict kosher laws because they want to obey the law. Mm. That is Orthodox Judaism because the desire, and a lot of the Orthodox Judaism they still, they still believe in the coming of the Messiah. But even today within Orthodox Judaism, there's nuances about who is the Messiah. Is he a literal person? Is he an idea? And we can get into that later because we could spend so much time on just who is the Messiah in Judaism. Absolutely. Then on the other extreme, you have Reform Judaism. And that came to be, I'm a, I hope you told them I'm a history nerd. Oh, hey, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> we need more history nerds. With everything going on in our society, we need more history nerds, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, Reform Judaism came out of the Enlighten, Enlightenment period in Germany in the mid-1800s uh, because they were wanting to, in a kind of an assimilated Judaism, um, and, and you will find within the Reformed Jewish community, the rabbis might or might not believe in God. Wow. Uh, it, is, it is a Judaism of practice, of doing good deeds, not necessarily to, for religious reasons, but for social, 
social justice reasons. So would you say the Reformed uh, sector of Judaism is probably the most liberal? They are. Uh, and from Reformed Judaism, you have subsects of Reconstructionism, of Renewal. Uh, they are even more liberal than Reformed, but that of the big three, they are the more liberal. Hmm. And, and the conservative Judaism is kind of the happy medium between Reform and Orthodox. And Reform Judaism is the law in, in the United States. Reform is the largest. The conservative sect is is actually declining. It is it is declining in numbers. And the Orthodox is growing because they don't practice birth control. So Reform is the largest denomination within Judaism in the United States. Conservatives are declining in numbers, but Orthodox is growing because they have the largest number of, of children. Would you say that Orthodoxy is the the most conservative of the three? But even with yes, they are. But even within Orthodox, you have the ultra Orthodox. Okay. And the, 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 they, those are the they can they're called Haredi or Hasidic. Those are the guys you see at the Western Wall at the hotel with the black hats, uh, and they and they have they do not practice. Birth, birth control at all, and they can have up to 9, 10, 11, 12 children. Wow. And they are the, they're, they're the fastest growing because obviously they're growing because they don't practice birth control. Right, right. And they, and they do believe in a literal Messiah coming. Now, of the, so, are the Hasidic okay. Jews linked to, to the ancient Pharisees we see in Jesus' day? Jewish people today are linked to the Pharisees because the Pharisees are the ones that survived the destruction of the temple. Gotcha. Yeah. The Sadducees did not survive. The Essenes, most of the Essenes died at Masada. Uh, if, if you know about Masada, that, that was the, the, the last band of the, you know, that died at 70 AD in Masada when they, you know, a, a large group of Jewish people, instead of becoming slaves to the Romans, committed suicide. And the Essenes, for the most part, died in Masada. So all Jewish people come from the Pharisees today. Now, I have a question. This is kind of a curveball, and, and it may be it may be too too much for us to handle, because I'd like for us to get to the other questions, too. But I've heard some potential links with Christianity uh, and, and I don't. And by asking this question, I don't think that that Christianity came exclusively from the Essene community. But I, I read some research this, that notes that uh, some Essenes may have been Christians. Uh, did, do you see any link between early Christianity and the Essene community? I think John the Baptist was an Essene. I I, I do think I actually wrote a paper at seminary for the professor that shall remain nameless, <laughs> that, that, I, that I believe that John the Baptist was an Essene. You know, I've kind of thought the same thing, and I've wondered, because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, I, I believe that John and some of the earliest disciples were, were the followers of John the Baptist, so I was, I've right. kind of wondered that if, if they didn't pick up, or that, may, that, may, that they may have had 
uh, some links to the community themselves. Right, I, and I think I think you're right about that. And a lot of the Dead Sea Scrolls have Essene ties because that's why they were found in the Qumran caves and in the Dead Sea region because Masada is in the Dead Sea region. And so the Dead Sea Scrolls that have been found were more than likely, not more than likely, I think you can make a, a really good argument. And there's a, a man by the name of, a Christian archaeologist, I'm sure you've heard of him, by the name of Randall Price, who's a friend yes. of mine. And he teaches at Liberty, who's written a lot of books about it. Um, the Dead Sea Scrolls have a lot of Essene ties. And so, yeah, I, I think while Jesus, I don't think, was an Essene or had any Essene influence, John and, like, John, the, John, John of James and John and John the Baptist had some Essene influence in them. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, uh, the links that John the Apostle makes with light and darkness, and you see right. similar similar uh, allusions in, in the Dead Sea Scrolls. I, I've often wondered if there wasn't something, uh, some type of tie there. Uh, but anyhow, I digress. Uh, how do how do modern views... How, excuse me, my dyslexia is kicking in. How do modern Jews view the afterlife of these uh, three pr primary well, sectors of uh, Judaism? Well, and that depends on if you're Orthodox, Reform, or Conservative. It really does. And, uh, you know, it really does depend on which branch you belong to. Because if you are Orthodox, you do believe in an afterlife. If you're Reform, you don't. If you're conservative, you're just not sure. Um, I don't know if you have ever watched the show The Big Bang Theory. Yes, yes, I sure have. Okay, okay. Howard Wallowitz is 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 Jewish. He's Jewish in real life. His character, the actor who plays him, is Jewish, and he plays a Jewish character. And there's a there's a there's an episode where, you know, Sheldon is wanting something from him, and he says, "Well, if you're not nice to me, you'll you'll go to Jewish hell." And Howard says, "Jews don't believe in hell." And, I, and I've had people go, "Is that true?" Well, it depends on if you're Orthodox, Reformed. Or conservative, and so it just it depends. Uh, Reformed Jewish people believe once you die, that's it. Orthodox believe that you have to earn your way to either go to uh, a, a version that they would consider, and I'm not going to use the Hebrew phrase, but a view of the Garden of Eden, which is heaven. Uh, Olam Haba is, you know, the, the world to come is, is the idea. Or you could go to hell. And conservatives just aren't sure. I have a friend who has not yet come to faith, and I ask her what she, how she views what's going to happen after she dies. And, and she once wrote an article for a newspaper, and she, she, trying to describe what she thought might happen after she dies and she was quoting a, another rabbi and she said we'll open a door and then we'll find out mm. and she comes from a conservative background 
So it really does depend on if you are Orthodox, Conservative, or Reform. But a lot of Jewish people are drifting more and more towards that idea that once you die, and not to be crass or crude, but you become warm food. Right. So why bother? Yeah, Simon Helberg, I had to look him up. Uh, Simon Helberg yeah. is the actor uh, who right. plays uh, Howard Wolowitz uh, in The Big right. Bang Theory. And and actually, uh, I'll go ahead and admit, that was part of what inspired that question because I remember <laughs> <laughs> I remember him saying that being said on the show. And, uh, you know, so... But now with orthodoxy, I, I'm sure they, they believe they hold to an afterlife. Right, they do. And, but again, even they believe you have to follow the law. But even in following the law, I'll give you an example. It's not enough to just obey the, you know, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. And for us, okay, honor the Sabbath, keep it holy. That seems, you know, worship God, you know, you know yes, we, we go to church on Sunday. And that's a way of honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy. Not, you know, we under we have an understanding of what that means. Well, in, in Orthodox Judaism, well, they're like, well, what if we accidentally don't honor it enough? So they decided to write, it's called a tractate, and it's in the Talmud. So they wrote a separate tractate and 39 separate issues about what it might mean to accidentally work on the Sabbath. <laughs> and so so these are the 39 different ways of accidentally working on the Sabbath. So don't do these 39 different things. And so, so you can become so obsessive about accidentally not working on the Sabbath that you don't honor the Sabbath day and keep it in holy because you're you're becoming so obsessive about not working. That kind of reminds me of, uh, and I think I think there's an excellent there's a, you have an excellent point there. In fact, I remember hearing a scientist to say not long ago talking about the solar eclipse. Uh, he said, "Don't get so caught up in your devices that you miss the essence of what's taking place." Exactly. And it, and and it seems to me that there's a similar point there. An identical point being made that, that you know it's it's important that we don't get so caught up in the rituals and the rules that we lose the essence of God's grace and and even concerning the Sabbath, the reason for which God gave us the Sabbath day. To rest and worship. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'll I'll give you an example, and and I'm going to try not to be inappropriate with this example. I was in. I was in Jerusalem about six years ago now. I was with a tour group, and it was a Sabbath, and we were about to leave to go back to America. And before we left, I, I went up to the hotel, I went up to my hotel room, and I grabbed something off of the back of the commode. I'm, again, I'm not going to be crude. Right. And, and I, went, I went back downstairs because we were having our last meal before, you know, we got on the bus to go back to the airport. And somebody says, why did you, why did you go back to, the, to your room and grab that? And I said, this is 
Babbitt's toilet paper. And I went, what? And it was a box of Kleenex that was on the back of a toilet, of a commode. And because tearing off of your toilet paper roll is one of those 39 things that is considered work on the Sabbath. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so everybody in my group went back to their room to get the box of Kleenex that was pre, because it was pre-torn. Wow. So that somebody could not accidentally tear toilet paper on the Sabbath because that would be tearing, because tearing paper on the Sabbath is considered work. So they had become so obsessed about tearing toilet, you know, tearing paper that they had decided that tearing toilet paper on the Sabbath would be the same as tearing paper. Wow. Wow. And so everybody then got an extra souvenir because I got my box of Sabbath toilet paper. <laughs> so, and but that, that, that's becoming so obsessed about not working that you can't rest on the Sabbath. Absolutely. It becomes, like you say, an obsession. Well, right. we have about, it uh, looks like about five, six, seven minutes somewhere along in that area. Right. Uh, tell us about how we, how one can reach and minister to uh, Jews and hopefully even leading them to Christ. Okay. Number one, you have to be friends. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you can have those encounters on airplanes, airports, uh, and I've done that where you have those five minutes that you can share the gospel with someone, and and I've done that. But a lot of times it's about building relationships. I have have been witnessing to one particular person, I'm not going to say her name, because I know she'll end up listening to this podcast. (laughs) But I have been witnessing to one Jewish friend for going on 10 years, and it's about building a relationship. It's about her seeing a consistent Christian walk in my life. It's about the fact that every time I am with her, I find an opportunity to turn the, to the conversation around to the gospel. It's about when it's, because we're about to come up on uh, the Jewish high holidays of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, that I find an opportunity to show her that Jesus is the fulfillment of those high holidays, that Jesus arose on, that Jesus was crucified on Passover, he arose on the Feast of First Fruits, that the Holy Spirit came on what we call Pentecost, that is really Shavuot, and that Jesus is the fulfillment of, that Jesus celebrated Hanukkah, and that Christians truly love the Jewish people, not as statistics, not as trophies, but because they are the relatives of Jesus. Amen. And being a consistent Christian walk. And, and I was thinking about this question as, as I was getting dressed this morning, because I knew that this is the most important question you were going to ask me today. Because um, a lot of Christians, you, you remember, and I, I think you and I are alike, we both watch movies, and probably watch too much television. <laughs> I'm <laughs> guilty as charged. <laughs> you knew who Simon Helberg was. Um, but, you know, a lot of times Christians have this if we build it, they will come mentality. Well, that, that is not, you know, from Field of Dreams. That is nowhere in Scripture. 
we have to go to where they are. Amen. You know, and a lot of times I've heard Christians say, well, there's no Jewish people in my area. Number one, yes, there is. Because I have I have friends who, and if you know where this is, then I'm impressed with you, but I have friends in Livingston, Texas, which is in the middle of absolutely nowhere, Jewish friends. And and I have seen a Jewish person come to faith in, the, in Leedy, Oklahoma, mm. which is, trust me, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and uh, so you have to go to where they are. I'm about ready in the next few weeks to go to the Dallas Jewish Film Festival. I'm going to where the Jewish people are. I'm not expecting them to come to where I am. And, and they know who I am. And they know what I do, but they also know that I love them because they are relatives of my Messiah. And I tell them that. I thank them for being relatives of my Savior. I've had Jewish people come up to me and go and ask a really tough question about why do Christians hate us? Because of the Holocaust, because of the Inquisition, because of the Crusades. And then I turn it around and say, but you know what? I want to thank you for giving me Jesus. Mm, and then I use that as a gospel opportunity. And then, they, and then they have said to me, nobody has shared Christianity like you have. Because I thank them. I've, I've apologized for Christian past, and I thank them for giving me Jesus. Amen. And then they're just like, wow. No Christian has ever shared their faith like you just did. And that's something to me. That's something to me that has never, ever made sense. Why there are even people, um, I don't know what that was, but why there are even people, uh, very few and far between. Amy, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry. My computer made a noise. Oh, that's no problem. I didn't know. I thought I'd lost you. But uh, I uh, it, it, I never have understood why there is hatred among some Christians. I mean, and and when I say this, I know this is a very minority populace, a populace of the Christian populace I'm talking about. But I've never understood throughout history why there is any hatred towards uh, Jewish individuals because of the fact that Christianity came from Judaism. Uh, it, it is fulfilled Judaism because Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Uh, without Judaism, there would be no Christianity. So, right. you know, that, that has never made any sense to me whatsoever. But it's there. Absolutely. I've heard it. I've, and I've sadly heard it. I've actually heard it from a pastor's wife once before. Really? Yeah, I have. And, you know, the events of Charlottesville, Virginia, unfortunately, uh, have even brought that to light, that it, that it, which I, I don't, I wouldn't associate any of the supremacists with Christians, let me just say that first and foremost, but the anti-Semitic uh, mindset is unfortunately still there among some people today, and, and it is yeah. a very unfortunate thing. Well, Amy, would you like to leave any words of encouragement with our listening audience today? Don't be afraid. Uh, Jewish people need to know that Christians have their back because right now Jewish people don't think that any let me rephrase because I don't want to have bad grammar Jewish people 
do not believe that anyone has their back right now. They mm. feel increasingly isolated. They feel increasing, increasingly isolated politically, emotionally, and spiritually. So we need to have their back in reverse order. We need to have their back spiritually first, emotionally, and then politically. It's not enough to have their back politically. There's a lot of organizations out there that we support Israel, but we don't want to share the gospel with them. That's not right. enough. Absolutely. We have to have their back first spiritually and then have their back politically. And so they need to know that we love them enough to share Jesus with them, but we also love the Jewish people enough to back them politically. Amen. And when they see that both, um, and I'm, I'm thinking of some people I can't talk about right now, it will make an eternal difference in their lives and in their heart. Amen. Amen. Well, Amy, thank you so much for being with us today. I, I hope we can get you back on the podcast. I'd the, love to come back. This, this has only whet my appetite. I, I have so many more questions, even... You know, we could even do another podcast on the Essene community and the Dead Sea Scrolls. And I mean, that, that even has, that's what my appetite on this whole topic, you know, there too. So hopefully we can plan to have you on really soon. Uh, again, um, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I, I just said I would love that. Absolutely. We'd be, I'd be honored to have you back on. Well, this is uh, for Amy, Amy, I cannot talk today, for Amy Downey. Uh, This is Brian Chilton. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, and we'll see you back next time as we step into the arena of ideas. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of BellatorChristie.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie Podcast is a production of bellatorchristie.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Michaela Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristie.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childer saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. Are you looking for something that will train you in Christian apologetics, but you don't have time to commit to a long-term program? Do you want to learn more about the philosophical, scientific, and historical reasons for the Christian faith? If you answered yes, then plan to attend the 25th National Conference on Christian Apologetics entitled Defending a Faith That Thinks. It will be held October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, sponsored by Southern Evangelical Seminary. Among the speakers include Michael Brown, Norman Geisler, Gary Habermas, Ken Ham, Richard Howe, Greg Kokel, J.P. Moreland, SES President Richard Land, Jay Richards, Hugh Ross, Frank Turek, Jay Warner Wallace, and more than 30 additional speakers. Early bird pricing lasts until August 1st. For more information, go to conference.ses.edu.
I plan to be at the 25th National Conference on Christian Apologetics. I hope to see you there. Once again, this is October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Go to conference.ses.edu. The National Conference on Christian Apologetics, defending the faith that thinks. Life. Liberty. And the pursuit of happiness. Our great nation was built on these simple principles. So was our university. Find your greatness at Liberty. Online or on campus, discover more at liberty.edu. It's the difference between a job and a career.